0: So, here we are, Fat Tuesday. I'm so excited because in this episode. You are going to learn how to live the holiest Lent ever. Just kidding. But we are going to talk about Lent, and we're going to talk about what it might really look like for us this year, and what does it mean to live a holy Lent? What does that mean? We don't know. So, yeah. Enjoy. And you know what? Maybe you need to get a donut and enjoy this with a donut. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with a father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes a true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good Father and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes Meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, welcome to Trust is My Home. Welcome to Trust is My Home. Uh, Today, on this Tuesday, since I don't pre-record, you know, it's kind of that, That Tuesday, you know, the Tuesday that we don't really want to talk about. Um, Okay, just kidding. We do. It's Fat Tuesday. Tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. We just need to face it. This is what it is. Um, I know it's this because my email box has been, like, assaulted by, like, so many different Catholic emails that say, do you want to make this the holiest Lent ever if you go through this program or... You know, do you need a companion for Lent? And then it's a book advertisement. So I know Lent's coming because, boy, this is going to be my holiest Lent ever. No, but seriously, though, I've been thinking about that. What does that mean? I mean, it's like there's this pressure. Um, What does it mean to have a holy Lent? Okay, maybe people are like, it's not that complicated. Fast, almsgiving, you know. What's the other one prayer, do those things. it's holy, but see whenever we use the word holy, I get confused because i I feel like we need to kind of start pressing into what does that word mean holy and, it, and I think I'm saying this is because another hero of mine fell, you know another another person that like he was so holy, he is the same, and then another scandal. Another person off a pedestal. And so it kind of brings me back to the drawing board with the Lord. And I ask him, what does this mean to be holy? Or when you say, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does that mean? Like, how do I start going about doing that? And we could, fo- you know, you follow the Ten Commandments. You live the Beatitudes. There's always, you know, there's, there's these things that we're supposed to do but something is not satisfying me anymore. I don't mean that following the moral law is not satisfying. I mean that I want more of God. And so, kind of today, as we are uh, talking about Lent, and um, within the context of trust, within the context of restoring a covenant with God the Father, restoring the covenant of trust, I would like to propose what to me would be a holy and beautiful Lent. And I hope that it makes sense. But more than that, I hope that it's true. I hope the Holy Spirit is on my lips and that that what I'm praying into for others and what I've been listening to and, and just listening to different struggles and what is coming into my heart, that this is... A way in which we can approach Lent. So um, just last week and, and before then last week but really last week there is just a large number of people that I spoke to, or prayed with, or encountered that were in a particularly difficult space and that were I guess the best words I could find for it, it was like I felt like there was a spirit of um, stealing the future. like So like the thief of the future was on the prowl, and, and people were feeling defeated and and desiring just to kind of give up and feeling like I'm being faithful, Lord. I'm striving after you. I'm seeking you, and I just feel like I'm being hit like lie after lie after lie and wound and trauma and all these things coming up and where are you right so i mean my last recording was a recording from the storm um and i in praying into this and also in my with my heart in that same place i was witnessing that there was just a deep assault right it was like that was like okay what lies have worked for this person in the past? Let me go through my file, and I'm going to find every single one. And, like, what memories can I bring up that will spark, like, trauma and put this person in a state of fear or shame and shut them down? And I'm just going to just do a full frontal attack. So there is a quote from a Montfort father that I heard years ago. And I love it. If you don't meet the dragon on the road, you're on the wrong road. What does that mean? If you're being assaulted, like heavy duty assaulted by like a thousand different lies and memories and you're feeling what is going on, just want to give up. Chances are, now chances are you're heading in the right direction. So this is kind of what I want to talk about. Very specifically, I would like to talk about how trust comes into play in those spaces in our heart where we desire to be loved, where we desire to belong, where we desire to give and receive love without attack. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but most arguments in a marriage or in a family or in life happen because at some level there's a feeling of I am not being seen, received, loved, appreciated to the amount that I desire. Or, you know, there's some kind of confusion, there's conflicting signals, there's Love given, but it's not received. There's love, you know, given, but it looks twisted. You know, all those different variations on the same theme. And I don't mean to oversimplify, but in honesty, all of us, from banker on Wall Street to the child in the home, our our desires in some ways can be encapsulated by desire to give and receive love and we know that then we have this concupiscence this 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 thing in us that like twists that or grasps for it and thanks to Adam and Eve and and that sin of of basically taking from God the very thing he wanted to give us then we have this kind of burden of you know impure motives um impatience the ways that we wound others right because we're not loving well selfishness manipulation it can get worse I mean I think the more that we get tied into the lies of the evil one the more we can play a diabolical game of of lying and twisting and manipulation and and those things really really hurt us Uh, but just speaking to um, different people that like through no fault of their own Through no fault of their own, like maybe even early in their childhood, they have been wounded in such a way that it makes, it seems as though they're incapable of giving and receiving love freely, right? So it's like maybe they had an abusive parent or maybe they were uh, like orphaned or abandoned or alcoholic or even like worse, worse things, you know, um, we look at children and you see it like in the foster care system or it doesn't even have to be there. Okay. I mean, this is the joke. Everyone says like, Oh, we'll pay for counseling later. Like this kind of sense that what I needed, I did not receive. Right. So I think that each of us at some level, at some point in our life realize that, you know, there was love that I needed that I didn't receive. So I don't want to talk about that specifically and what does Lent have to do with that and what does Christ have to do with that and what does trust have to do with that because I see right now, at least in the landscape that I'm in, that this is a place of deep attack, which makes sense because Jesus is coming after our heart. So if we, if the enemy can close off our heart, he wins, okay? And our heart, like, what is our heart? It's a place of vulnerability, the place where I need to know I'm loved. So what do we do in this place? So when I see um and even in myself or others that pain of like I need more love, right? And we don't like to say that. It makes us sound kind of pathetic and it's you're kind of trained not to uh not to admit that you need love. Um because it's just, you know, it's a little bit needy but honestly we do all of us we need love um and there's actually we we all desire unconditional love and that's what sells you know that's like the movies the moments that created by hollywood that just look so beautiful the sitting around the couch all looking at something the the glow of the lights the sense of belonging and unconditional love like this is our desire but there is actually no human being on earth that can give us unconditional love. And maybe that sounds scandalous, but it's true. There is no person in the world that can give you unconditional love. Now, mothers right now, they might feel like, wait a second, I give unconditional love to my children, or... Or you know if you're just in that the, the beginning of like falling in love with someone and it just feels so much like beautiful like unconditional love. But I would call all of those conditional, unconditional love, right? Because we need to start admitting the fact that we're broken. There's no perfect lovers out there. That there are places in my being where I am broken, where my love is not perfect, where my love, you know, either comes out wrong or can cause harm. And I'm going to fail people. I'm going to hurt. I have failed people. I have hurt people. I mean, how many of you have had the experience that you don't want to hurt somebody, but you hurt them? And you just feel like you're fumbling, like, I'm trying, like, everything in me is to try to love you right, but... It's not working, right? So this is kind of like this frustrating experience of uh, being unable to give and receive perfect love. And so, what do you do in these situations? So in those places, and and we're talking about like even great abuses where where maybe a parent, and you're like the very the first two people that are called to give us love, right? You know, our father and mother, and maybe we didn't have that. And then you feel like you're limping through life and then we, you know, usually get hit by a lie and then we mask it and we learn how to pretend we don't need it, but then we try to find how to take it in other places. But when you get to this point where you're like encountering the fact that no matter how much you grasp, you cannot give the, your heart the very thing that it needs, what ends up happening, it's like we get to this place of like pain and helplessness and grief. we're hurting, like we're hurting so much. And who are the people that we hurt or in this place? Usually the people that that love us the most, which is crazy. But so you can see this with husbands and wives, you know, like you're going through a personally difficult season where you're grieving and, and what do you want? You want your spouse to see and to receive and to know what you're suffering and to love you there. And if it's a time where either circumstances or whatever's going on, and they can't, it's just so painful. And who are you going to beat up for? Them. So I am framing Lent around this place. This place that is in us that desires unconditional love. And then this place of almost like anger at the injustice that we... um, We cannot give ourselves the very love that we need. And also we can't depend on another fully to give us the love that we need. Um, Like, there's no other person that's responsible for that. No. that (laughs) Parents promise to, to take care of their children. Husbands and wives, they promise to each other. But as we all know, we fail in it. So what I'm saying is there every person, every human being is going to disappoint that need for that absolute unconditional love. And so what is Lent about? Lent is about so that that need we have or that desire we have, oftentimes we take that desire and we put it on persons places or things right our circumstances and like this is your responsibility like my wife should welcome me home and it should look like this and there needs to be this or my husband should be able to sit and listen to me or my mother should be able to do this or my dad should be able to do this or my friend should be able to do this and when that doesn't happen for us we hurt and then we lash out or we either lash out inside of ourselves without saying it but we're hurting And so this is the desert. This is the place of desert. This is the place of contending and wrestling with God. Who put that desire of unconditional love in your heart? God. And and so he puts this like homing device, this, this thing in us that needs love, and yet there's no person, per se, that's gonna fill that. Now there are moments, there are people, there's, there's these these grace moments where the, we experience that, but nobody's supposed to carry the burden of that for us. So, what do we do with this? I I am basically proposing that Lent is is this kind of journey. Lent is the journey of taking that heart that we have to give and receive love perfectly and finally placing it in the right place so okay if i have this desire where does it belong is it some sick joke or does it is it something that like is, is there a promise that can be filled Is there a hope that it can be filled? I believe when we are loved and we're living in a place of love and belonging, we have energy to do great things. And we're not doing them out of striving. We're doing them out of abundance. So I'm proposing that Lent is a time to take that that deep need, and maybe we never even admitted to ourselves that it's there, and to put it, place it with God. Now, here's the crazy thing. So, when I say that, it looks like there's this like pious, like walking towards the altar. And I just take this desire in me to love and be loved. And I place it on the altar. And wow, amazing things happen. You actually don't believe that's how it works. I think when we're faced in the situation where we are aching to belong. And depending on the woundedness of our upbringing or even our childhood or our birth, that ache can be stronger and it can be more robust. But that aching of our being to belong to God, there's an anger in that. There's a frustration. And when we don't put that anger and frustration on this person, on this person, on our spouse, and we allow ourselves to experience like fully that anger, like God, you know, why did you put this in my heart? And we allow ourselves to wrestle with God about this very area. This is the image I have. It's not the gentle bringing of our heart and putting it on the altar. It is, it is a frustrating anger that I am not able to achieve by my own hands by my own doing the very thing that i need to fully exist and thrive that i am so angry and i am bringing it to god in honesty but just angry and and feeling like there's an injustice in it there's injustice like i needed this parent i needed this person and they weren't there for me that anger i'm going to the cross there he is. There is this man. He says, oh, I love you. And yet I'm here not feeling loved. And I'm angry. And on my way, I pick up a spear. And I am so mad and so frustrated and so like, filled with a sense of injustice that I take that spear and I thrust it into the heart of this man who says he is God and says that we are created for love. That this Lent is my journey to the crucifying of Christ. That I crucify Jesus Christ because of every pain in my heart and every injustice I've seen and every lack of love I've witnessed and every lack of love I've experienced and my own sins that I wish I didn't have done and, and all of this goes towards this piercing of his heart. And in that moment, in the moment I pierce his heart, out flows blood and water. Out flows mercy. Out of that death flows life. And I realize, and I realize, and I realize in a way that's not even words, what love is there for me. And from that place, with my hand still on the spear, I fall to my knees. And I learn what is mercy. And I learn what is love. And I learn where I belong. And I learn that it was the death of God that made his love enough for me. And I see that this same blood and water washes over that person who hurt me and this person who did this to me. And I see how it was my very anger at love not being enough that caused me to hurt this person and that person and this person and that person. And in that moment, I realize that I have blood on my hands. And that it's only the blood of Christ that washes that. And that when this blood and water flows from his side, I know who I am and I know whose I am. And then I can begin to love. Then I can begin to give. Then I can begin the true journey of building a home, of belonging, of building a place of peace, first of all, in my own heart, then in giving that same life to others. This this is my prayer for Lent. That each of us wrestle, wrestle to that very point, and that from that cross, we receive the life that Christ has always desired to give.